Welcome to Active Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Christina, aka Active Yoga Girl, yoga teacher and entrepreneur. This is a space to inspire, encourage and empower you through living a holistic lifestyle. Each podcast, I will be speaking to health and fitness experts to support your well-being. Thank you for joining me. Let's be active and feel alive together. Hello and welcome. Today I'm going to be speaking with Tyran from The Remote Yogi. Hi Tyran. Hey, how are you doing? (laughs) So can you tell us a bit about what you do? Sure. Um, So I do lots of different things when it comes to The Remote Yogi. I do series of events here in Bali. I teach yoga, meditation, um, lots of things around the moon and feminine energy, so lots of fun there. But the bulk of my business is actually online, where through my online membership and courses and one-on-one coaching, I help women use modalities like yoga, meditation, and personal development practices to step away from anxiety, stress, overwhelm, and into the more confident, badass version of themselves. So it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I sound really busy. Um, So can you just tell us about the name Remote Yogi and why you chose that name? Yeah. So actually, my business started out as just a blog. I was teaching yoga in the US and... I was teaching in a very small town where yoga was not a big thing until I started to help really build this community. And so when I left, they were really upset with me. So I said, okay, I'm just going to start an online blog so I can keep sharing yoga with you guys from wherever I'm at in the world. And I was going on this one-year travel program around the world. So I knew I'd be in a different country every month. So remote just sounded like, okay, I'm going to be somewhere different every day in yogi. And it was really just meant to be a blog to keep up with my students. And then it slowly has evolved into this multifaceted business that I get to run. Yeah. Well, that's great though, because it means that you've, you've created that sense of community to begin with. And mm-hmm. then now you have the ability to move around with that. So how do you think that in today's culture that's kind of really important as well with your online business people can just log in anywhere I mean there's people like us right who are living in places that are not our home country and we're traveling all over and that's awesome and so the platform is great for them because it keeps you consistent like I found when I was moving around to a different country every month being in a new studio and a new energy every month was actually really exhausting so I was having to get used to new styles every month so if you're people like us and you're mobile it's great but also, when I started teaching yoga, the only reason I became a teacher was because I was in a city where there was no yoga. I was in a very rural community, far out from the city, and it wasn't there, and so there was no access. And so part of having the ability to log in online anywhere in the world is for those people who are stationary, but they're in maybe a place that doesn't have access, or maybe the community there is not as welcoming. Because as much as I love the yoga community, I'm sure you do as well, there are still pockets that are very judgmental and kind of like a local girls club that you can't join unless you're a certain body size or a certain image or whatever. And so, yeah, it's just about being able to create an online space where people can come from any background at a much lower price of a yoga studio as well. So it's just more accessible to people wherever they're at. Yeah. 
I love that. I love the fact that it's kind of people can just do it at home, and if they don't have that community, that yoga community, they can kind of create that in their own space. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Yeah, I mean, and that was another big element for me because when I was living in that small town, I found yoga online. Right, yoga videos were still online back then. It was maybe seven years ago, but. I didn't feel connected to the teachers. There was no community element. It was like pay $10 a month and you get these videos, which is great for that price. Great. Perfect. But I was missing that community sense. And so that's a big part of what I've done is we do like monthly live calls where it's kind of like a community get together online, which is really fun. We've got really active Facebook groups. So I was trying to find a way to not only bring yoga and meditation there, but also the community element, because for me, the biggest healing I found within my yoga was through the people I found within yoga. And so I wanted to be able to create that for people. So we've got, you know, yogis in the U.S., lots in the U.S., but we've also got lots throughout Europe and South Africa and now into Southeast Asia. And so it's just cool that people from all over get to connect and share wisdom. That sounds amazing that you built this kind of sense of community online and everyone can kind of connect together. So how did you start off originally teaching yoga and going down this path? <laughs> oh, how much time do we have? No. <laughs> um, actually, like the whole journey for me started like way back when I was around 11 or 12. Um, I got hit with depression and anxiety really young, what was diagnosed as depression at that age. And they had me on medications really early. I was seeing therapists, I was seeing counselors. And it was also at this time that I started to really be concerned about my wellness I don't know why no one in my family cares about like health and wellness. I was I just had this conviction of like I've got to make sure I'm taking care of myself. So I was, you know, reading all the teen magazines about what fitness you should be doing and I was reading books on veganism at like 11. So I like went vegan. I did all the the things I thought I was supposed to be doing and but throughout this process, I was heavily medicated on antidepressants and that really messed with me like They're helpful for some people in certain scenarios. For me, they weren't helpful. They actually kind of worsened my symptoms in some ways. And so I took myself off medication when I was in high school. And then I started to self-medicate with drugs and alcohol and and all the things. And so um, I still presented myself as the perfect girl at school. I still, like, graduated early. I was in all the clubs and student council and cheerleading and all the things that you're supposed to be doing. But... I couldn't cope with my extra emotions, and so I was dealing with that with drugs and and things. Moving to college, and I didn't really have time for drugs and drinking, which is good, right? I was able to to shut that down, but instead I replaced that with workaholism. And so I worked two full-time jobs while in college, and I just was like, if I just stay busy enough, I can ignore all the emotions, all the things that are happening in my mind. But it was actually during this time, I was 17 when I started college, and I was working out at a YMCA gym, and I thought I was going to a fitness class, and I get in there, I get all my stuff put down, and everyone's on yoga mats, and I'm like, Ugh, I didn't want to come to yoga, but now I'm like committed, because all my stuff's down, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stay and do this stupid stretching class, and the whole class, I was making fun of it in my head, like I was not really that engaged, I was like, this is silly, whatever, but then we're laying there in Savasana, which also like... The first time you ever lay down on a mat, it's so vulnerable. Like, your eyes are closed, and I'm, like, in a metropolitan city, and I'm like, what is happening? But in that moment, I realized that the whole class, I had only thought about yoga. I was making fun of it the whole time, but for something to have my attention for a whole hour as somebody who's 
very anxious, that blew my mind. And I was like, I walked out that day like, this is something important. I'm This is going to be a tool for me one day. But then again, working two full-time jobs, doing all these things, I would get really, really busy and, and out of whack. And I'd be like, oh yeah, that yoga thing I did that one time. And I would go to a yoga class. But it was never very consistent until... Yeah, around the time I got married. So I graduated college, got married, bought the house in the country, like all the things that you're supposed to do. Boom, 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 checking them off my list. And then I got out to the country and my mental health really declined. My partner was working night shifts. I had no friends out there. And so my mental health was just terrible. I was slipping into really deep places. And I was like, oh yeah, that yoga thing that I found that one time, which is when I started to get online, did classes online, was like, this isn't doing it for me, Um, pulled together money in terms of a credit card to pay for yoga teacher training, and then that's when the whole thing kind of started. And it was really more so because I knew this was something that would help me mentally, and I didn't have access to it where I was. So I had to become a teacher in order to um, heal myself. And then I loved teaching so much. It just kind of was a natural thing to fall into. And from there, I'm mentoring women and, and being able to share what I've learned on my mental health since mm-hmm. then. Um, yeah, so that was just over five years ago that I did teacher training. And yeah. where did lots you, changed. Where did you do your teacher <laughs> training? I actually did it at a studio in um, Arizona. Inner Vision, which is, it was amazing. I speak to so many people about their 200-hour training, and um, I'm just feeling very blessed with what every, everything that was included with mine. It just uh, really well-rounded, and I made some of my best friends that I still have to this day from that teacher training, yeah. which is why I said the community was so important, because like some of my biggest cheerleaders were from that teacher training, and yeah, yeah it's amazing. I love the fact that you had a lack of community or didn't have the community because of your location but you kind of created that for yourself and that's kind of where it all stemmed from really um but I also think it's really interesting that you said um how people can have addictions like drugs and alcohol but no one ever really thinks as um time being an addiction and Mm. not having enough time for your own thoughts and your own mindset and just having, like, when you're meditating, you're being quiet and just having that quiet time to yourself. Yeah. Which I think is something that we don't really think about enough. Right. I mean, addictions always stem from uh, an escape mentality, right? So it's like, these emotions are too much. What's happening in my life is too much. I'm going to escape by using some form of distraction. So, yes, drugs and alcohol are the ones that we notice because. They seem to be the most vicious, but anything can be addiction. Love addiction is a major problem that people have, like sex addiction, um, shopping, right? Anything to make you feel good, food, yeah. food issues, right? Yeah. But I think the one that we're not talking about enough is work addiction because it's glorified. Like, oh, you're such a hard worker, like great job. Um, yeah. But when we're working to distract ourselves from the reality in our minds, it's, it's not healthy. Mm. And that's what I did for a long time. And I just thought, if I just don't ever sleep, if I don't ever slow down, if I just work three jobs, like, everything will be fine. I don't have to feel it. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. There is so many other distractions, like you said, like shopping, and they're distractions and we make them addictions because they're distracting our thoughts. Um, But, yeah, work is a big one because, like, 
everyone always says do well and you'll feel good and that's what people focus on too much sometimes and Mm -hmm. yeah and that's kind of I think labeling people as well like oh they're a good person because they're good at this yeah rather than them just being a good person yeah you know and I think that's quite interesting I mean that's one of the big issues I notice with women I coach around confidence is they have their worthiness placed in labels or in certain things that they do so Almost anyone I ever talk to, I can say, okay, when do you feel valuable or when do you feel worthy to society or whatever? And they'll be like, when I'm being a good friend or when I'm working really hard, when I'm like proving my worth to people with how hard I can work or how much I can give to others, like all these things. And that sounds great on the surface. Like that sounds like a nice thing that you want to help the world. But if you don't believe that you're worthy of anything, right, whether it's love wealth, happiness, joy, unless you're doing these things. Well, when something happens in life when you're incapable of doing those things, if you get sick, if something happens in your life where you're incapable of working hard or giving, then what? Mm. Then you have no self-worth. Yeah. And so it's really about being able to separate from what we do from who we are because they're two totally different things. Yeah. I actually um, read something about this the other day and I, it kind of blew my mind and I had a bit of an epiphany. <laughs> and it was a bit, um, so you know in yoga people say so ham, which is I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like just being like, I am here now, I am alive now. And and you don't have to be anything else apart from that. Like right. just accepting who you are and, and yeah, and you don't have to put all these labels like a daughter, a mother a son, a career, a relationship status, you can just be you. And I think that's, I think that's something that we need to come back to in culture. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I always say that really what I am is a self-acceptance coach, but no one thinks that they need a self-acceptance coach, so that's not my title. But that is the work that I'm doing. It's just helping people to accept where they're at, whether they're needing to accept their mental health as it is, whether they accept you know, your body image or all the flaws we think we have, like they're just all the things that make us human. And really, once we can accept ourselves from whatever place we're in, then we're like, oh, it's go time. Now we can do whatever we want because we're not so worried about this image that we're putting out to the world. Now we can start to actually make magic happen Mm -hmm. in whatever form we're supposed to or whatnot. So when we start focusing on ourselves and stop putting labels on ourselves, I think it kind of starts making us being a bit more authentic and I guess vulnerable but also more authentic and I think us showing ourselves to the world people can kind of relate to us more Mm -hmm. what do you think I mean my entire podcast is around that concept it's called embracing human because and I have to work with business women especially on this we always want to show up as like this shiny clean version of ourselves but I don't relate to that I don't relate to somebody when they're at their perfect best. Mm. I relate to when you're struggling, right? Mm. Like, no one lives in this perfect state of mind all the time. But when somebody lets their walls down enough to say, like, hey, I'm actually feeling really anxious today. I'm actually, like, not having a good day. I'm like, cool. I relate to you so much more right now. I respect you so much more right now than somebody who's like, everything's fine. Everything's perfect. Because it's not real. Yeah. And we're starting to get much better at being, like, Real. Polished Instagram <clears throat> is bullshit. Sorry, am I allowed to come yeah, here? Yeah, okay, sure. great. And, you know, we, we want to connect with people at their heart, and that's not... Yeah, and I also feel like Instagram has become a little bit of a suburbia 
uh, mm, internet mm-hmm. suburbia. It's like have the perfect life, look this, have this perfect image. But we all know through films, people feel really shit underneath all that image yeah. in the front. So I think coming down to our rawness and forgetting our image is just so important for for real happiness. I mean, I see it happen all the time. It happened to me in my life. It happens to a lot of my clients where we like, we're going down this path because that's what society told us is awesome and it'll make you feel good and it will like give you the most fulfillment. And so that's what I did. I, like I said, got married, got got the house, did all the things, got the corporate job. I was like living this life, um, looked great online. I had an online blog called like yoga mats and cowboy hats. And I was like (laughs) this like southern goofball online but I was like sharing like you know tips for keeping your house nice and like recipes and yoga and like marriage tips and literally my life is falling apart around it like no one can tell online everything looked great but my marriage was falling apart I was at the worst anxiety levels I've ever experienced in my whole life I hated everything that I was experiencing but it looked really pretty online you know what I mean and so enough of us are starting to realize that that happens and we're starting to see the pattern of like oh we go down this life path because it's what everyone expects of us and then we get there and we're like now what I actually don't want to be here yeah and then it's like shoot now I've got to like go through the pain of leaving that behind and shifting things over Whereas I'm hoping to get women earlier on before they go down this, like, I don't even want to be here path. And we can say, like, hang on, hang on. Do you really want to go down this path? Is that really what you want? Or is that what society's conditioned you to want? Because you have to be so strong as well to change your path. Yeah. And, like, to to realize that that's not what you want and to actually do something about it. Because Mm -hmm. I think we've been made to think we have to act so we do certain things. We do them. And then we're like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And then are you strong enough to change it? Well, here's like a great analogy my friend Victoria uses all the time. It's like, we're so busy climbing a ladder, whatever that ladder is for you, whether it's career or family life or whatever, we're so busy climbing the ladder. When we get to the top, we're like, oh, I'm on the wrong building. (laughs) But for some people, they'll just say like, but it was all this work to get up here. Like, I'll just make this work. Like, it's, it's not the right building for me, but like, I'll just, it's fine. It takes a lot more effort to go, okay, I'm going to climb all the way back down, climb all the way up a new ladder, knowing that that's the one that's actually meant for me. And and standing on the other building, you can see it. You can be like, that's actually what I want, whether it's leaving your job or traveling or leaving the relationship, whatever it is. But you're like, do I want to do that work to get there? Yeah. And I also find um, it really interesting. A lot of people that have had... (laughs) life-changing experiences um they've had a downfall before they've been able to get where they are like Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing because I feel like sometimes you need to break down the wall or to get knocked down and to climb back down the ladder to be able to climb back up at a different place Mm -hmm. and I think you know sometimes when we struggle it's like the universe telling us that's not for you like you need to do something different in your Mm -hmm. life yeah I I think too, like being in the confidence space, that's one of the biggest issues with confidence is actually if we don't go through enough strife, if we don't go through enough challenge, we won't ever build enough confidence in ourselves. And so it really is important to have challenges, whether it's something as simple as like a really hard test that you take as a kid that you push through and and you overcome because then you get to the other side and you're like, oh, look, I did that. I achieved that. Great. Um, 
So you have to go through some challenges in order to say, look what I can overcome and give yourself that morality to be able to move through anything. But if life is rainbows and sunshine and happiness, you won't ever have those challenges. And so it's funny because so many of us chase happiness, chase joy, like, I just want to be happy. And I always tell my clients, no, you don't. If you're always happy all the time, that's going to become boring. It's going to become your baseline. And without any challenges, without anything to aim for, that's actually what causes depression. Yeah. If we're at a constant happy, eventually that's going to feel like nothing. And numbness. And numbness. And then it's depression because there's no challenge. And I think that's what a bit of depression is in a way. It's... It's feeling disconnected, isn't it? And mm-hmm. um, numb inside, like you. And I feel like if we can try and avoid that at an earlier stage, that would be that would be amazing. But also, I think it's a really interesting point that you made. Like life is good and bad, and it's like yin and yang. And right, so you have to. You can't have one without the other. So you have to like embrace the bad to to feel the good. Yeah. 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 And I also try to like challenge that concept even further. Like when we can get into a state of not labeling things as good or bad. Yeah. And just seeing everything as they just are. It, it just is. Yeah. Right. So no emotions are good or bad. They're just going to present different things, different experiences, different feelings, whatever. Um, instead of being like, oh, sadness is a bad thing. Yeah. No, it's not. It's teaching you something yeah. amazing. That's great. Yeah. You know, again, happiness all the time cannot be a good thing and so it's like instead of labeling things as good or bad good thoughts bad thoughts good feelings bad feelings just they are what they are and accepting them as point value that's a really good point actually I've never thought of it like that before so these feelings that we've been told to say are good or bad if we label them as something different then we're just accepting them and thinking about them and moving through them rather than thinking, oh, that's a bad feeling. We can't feel that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because what happens is I get angry about something and then I feel bad that I got angry about something because I'm being a bad person for having experienced anger. And then I feel guilt and shame, which is actually lower feelings than anger. And so now I'm in this shame spiral of like, oh, I must be a terrible person because I got angry today. And that's not helpful at all. Instead of going, oh, I got angry today. What's this about? Why, why did I get angry? Let's explore this a little bit. Like, what lesson do I need to learn? Cool. Yeah. I got yeah. angry. I learned from it. Let it go. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just such a different energy. Yeah. And also, you think, what, the why behind it, I think, mm-hmm. is really interesting. Like, kind of, like, then, oh, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? Not like, oh, shit, I shouldn't be feeling this. Yeah. Let's what check. is wrong with you? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always a reason, and I think that's, like... You know, it could be a really small thing or a big thing, but I think, like, just being, like, okay, accepting it and being, like, yeah, I'm feeling this because of this, and that's okay. Like, that's fine. And sometimes (laughs) I'm feeling things and I don't know why I'm feeling them yet. Also fine. Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. It might make sense in a few days. It might not never make sense, but, it like, there's no need to shame ourselves for whatever experiences we're having. I always tell people, like, your feelings are out of your control. You have no control over your feelings or emotions. What you have control over is your reaction to them. So you can either choose to react from a place of love and compassion for yourself and others, or you can choose to react in a place of judgment and shame. Mm. I mean, what sounds nicer? Yeah. <laughs> I always think, yeah, like, we have feelings or thoughts even and that pop up all the time, and it's like trying to think about it before we react. 
and like think why and then react into more of the why rather than oh this is just what it is like I think yeah. that's like yeah I think it's like fine to accept your feelings and thoughts but then you can you, you can't choose them you know but you can choose your actions and exactly. I think that's, that's that's important and to know that you have that control as well you know so yeah and it, it's just again it's about self compassion self-acceptance this is like one of the biggest thing I do with my anxiety or stress clients is just being okay with your anxiety coming up like society's told you that like anxiety is bad and you shouldn't have it and like all these things but for a lot of us it's just a part of our brain how we're conditioned it's just like some people are just naturally born more anxious so instead of getting upset about it it's just like oh anxiety's back okay I see you I see that you're here what's going on like it's not like this oh shoot anxiety's here what do I need to do to get rid of it right away and like no no no. okay you're here what's up Like, Mm. let's talk this out. Let's, you know, let's experience it. Mm. Be okay with it. And if you freak out about the anxiety, it's just going to make you more anxious. Exactly. It just amplifies it. Instead of being like, you know, for me, I get really anxious in, like, crowded, loud spaces. So, like, malls are the worst for me. I hate malls. There's too many decisions to be made. And there's loud lights and, like, people. And, like, I, I just hate it. And so when I'm in a mall, I can... I'll be like having anxious feelings and instead of being like oh no I'm getting anxious again like what uh, like what's wrong with you like why can't you just go to a mall and be a normal person like that's what I used to do right and it would just amplify it now I'm like okay I'm anxious okay take some deep breaths Mm -hmm. it's gonna be done soon Mm. you know like this has nothing to do with my value who I am I'm still fine I'm still normal yeah malls suck that's all and also just something that just sprang to mind (laughs) How we both love Gabby Bernstein. But I think just um, there's something Gabby Bernstein said and wrote a book of The Universe Has Your Back. I think that moment where you pause and think about it um, rather than reacting, then you kind of think, I'm okay. It's like a moment mm-hmm. of safety. You feel mm-hmm. safe and secure and it's like, it's okay and it calms you down. And mm-hmm. I think that it's like, yeah, the universe does have my back I'm okay here whatever situation I'm in I'm still gonna be here you know yep. nothing is gonna major is gonna change in my life like, yeah I'm still me yeah and that's why I teach yoga and meditation so I tell my clients there's that gap between the feeling and the reaction for most people it's very small there's not a lot of space between when you feel it and when you react but when you practice mindfulness when you do things like yoga breath work meditation what's happening is we start to strengthen our brain. We start to, like, actually, like, a muscle in our brain. And the time between feeling and reaction gets longer and longer and longer. And it might not be much longer than a second, but the second is long enough for you to be conscious of it. And then you get better and better at it. Now you've got five seconds. And now you've got five seconds to decide, how am I going to react to this? And then, yeah, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so that's what the work of Mm. mindfulness is Mm. is like let's create space between our feelings brain which is unconscious and our conscious brain which has a bit more control over how we decide to behave and do you think as well when you create that space and you can analyze it from like an outside view rather than feeling it and it's like consumes you you creating that space you can analyze it like from an outside perspective then you kind of feel a bit more like, I'm okay, mm-hmm. I've got this. 
Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just will, it gives you the confidence of being like, oh, I'm actually in control. Yeah. Because most of our problems in life are this, de- like, uh, delusion of control is what I call anxiety, pretty much. It's like, I want to have control over everything, and we have control over very, very little in our lives. We have no control over our feelings. We have no control over other people's feelings, other people's reactions, the weather, whether you have your job or not tomorrow. You don't have control over these things. We think we do. Which is why we go crazy trying to control control every, everything and yeah. do everything, but we don't have any control. The only thing in life we have control over is our reactions. And yeah. so if that's our focus, we get better and better, and then we have confidence to be like, oh, look at me. I just, like, somebody shouted at me at a party, and I was able to walk away calmly where I normally would have snapped right back. Look at that. Look. And then you just get a confidence boost of, like, I do have control. You know? Yeah. So we've talked about how we personally as individuals can react to our own lives and our own circumstances and our own feelings, but how about um, reacting to other people's, um, how other people Mm. treat us and realising that that's not our issues? So uh, I think one of my most listened to episodes on my podcast is around relationships. It's the longest episode. It's like a 90-minute episode where I brought in my partner and we kind of just dished back and forth. And this is one of the biggest things we had to learn within our partnership. And it's helped me with my friendships and everything else. It's like really understanding that another person's reactions and another person's feelings, opinions, whatever, that's fully on them. And being able to step away from that. So I can try to think of some examples. So in, within our relationship, I have a lot of anxiety. Sometimes it leans into depression. For him, when he gets out of whack, he leans into depression. And so it's great that we both know that about each other because we can kind of navigate it, right? But my old brain wanted to feel like if he was slipping into depression within our relationship, that there was something I was doing wrong that was not helping him to feel supported or good about his life or whatever. So, like, then I would try to control the situation, which, again, I can't control his feelings, but that I'm like, like, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do to make you feel happier? What do I need to do to, like, do all these things? And really understanding that if he's having his own feelings his own experience it's his own feelings and experience and so um being able to separate your responsibility like I'm not responsible for everyone else's feelings around me that takes a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. off of me yeah um if he comes to me and says hey when you say this when you do this it makes me feel like this great okay I can take responsibility for those actions but I can't take responsibility for his feelings yeah you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, all I can take responsibility and control over <laughs> is your, my actions, yeah. right? Is my reactions and yeah. my behaviors. And so, um, yeah, and I, I think that this is actually what leads to codependency, and this can be within friendships, family members, relationships, is this need to either have other people impact your feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and, like, allowing them. Like, some people really believe that the people in their life make them feel certain ways. Mm. that is not real that doesn't happen you can allow people that power but it's you're allowing them yeah you know what I mean there's there's like my my partner can't come he can come in here and scream at me and tell me that I'm an awful person whatever but it's actually my choice to let that and that that would upset anyone right yeah absolutely but I think then if you kind of think oh that's horrible but 
take a step back, have the space, analyze it and realize it's not you. Exactly. And and so that's where you give so much more power to yourself. So like Mm -hmm. before, like in my marriage, my ex would say like, here's all the things that you don't do right. Here's all the ways that you're effing up, like all these things. And at that time I was like, I'm a failure. I suck. Like he, like, here's all the ways I'm failing him instead of translating it through like, oh, he's feeling something Mm. on his own and that's his feelings and that's his feelings what do we what can I do to help you know like he's clearly feeling something here that's got him Mm. all worked up about me not doing the dishes a particular way yeah and I think as well we also like don't realize the actual core of the feeling and we blame it on somebody else else. totally so if we're feeling something or if someone's feeling something like if a person gets angry with you for no reason or a small reason it's not you that that that's really the issue. Not, no. It's the fact that they're feeling something about something else, and they're right, and they're taking or it. Or it's out. triggering something. It's triggering. So they might not even know the trigger, yeah. right? Like for him, it might have been that, like you know, his mom always had the house perfect, and he thought that when he got married, it would be like that. I don't know. Whatever the story is in his head, he might not even be conscious of that. But then when it when reality throws it off, or like, I mean, to give a different example, like. My partner now, he's amazing, he's wonderful, but sometimes he'll be zoning out when I'm talking. I talk for a long time, and, like, bless him. But, you know, he'll zone out when I'm talking, and then the next day I'll mention something I said, and he's like, like, what do you mean? Or, like, he won't have remembered that I said yeah. it. And for me, I'm immediately angry Yeah. because I feel like he's not hearing me. Yeah. But it actually stems from... Something different. My past and people telling me that my voice was annoying and they would tune me out. Mm. Uh, my, actu- my ex-husband used mm. to actually say that. He's like, I just tune you out when you're talking because it's <laughs> annoying sometimes. And so has nothing to do with my partner. Bless him. He was probably tired and just did not hear yeah. me. But I'm going to react with anger because mm. of my past. I feel as well like I have sometimes small impatientness <laughs> yeah. with when when I'm talking and someone's not listening to me it makes me really not not really angry but I just think oh they're not listening that's kind of irri- that's irritated me the fact that I've realized they're not mm-hmm. listening but then I think why is it irritated me and I realize it's probably something like from when I was younger where I didn't feel like my parents were listening to me or something right. like that and it's like and I just have to realize, okay, it's not actually this current situation that I'm in that's the, the issue. It's like, it's coming and, from and somewhere And it doesn't else. mean that you can't say, hey, when yeah. you tune me out, it makes me feel triggered. And like, yeah. I would, like, can we avoid that? Because I don't like yeah. that. Just because it's triggered from your past doesn't mean it's okay. It's yeah. still not okay for people to tune you out. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you can react with a little bit more empathy, knowing that, like, yeah you're feeling it much more intensely yeah. because of some past thing, not because of this current situation, yeah, yeah. right? And it just helps the conversation be a little bit easier. Like, for example, I might say, like, because now I know myself a lot better. Like, I don't typically react with explosion, but I might reflect on it and be like, hey, yesterday when we were talking at dinner and I told you all about today's plans and then you woke up today and you didn't know any of the plans, it made me feel hurt because I feel like, this past situation whatever and he can be like okay what can I do to better support you so this doesn't happen again or what can I do to change my behaviors so you're not Mm -hmm. triggered and sometimes we can find that conclusion sometimes you know we both need to make shifts I need to be less triggered and he can do certain things to help me feel less triggered and that's it's having that conversation it's a conversation and also being honest with Mm -hmm. yourselves like I'm feeling this and then having the conversation about it yeah it's so hard and I have to do it with friends right like 
I'm trying to think of an example with a friend. So I have lost friends over this growth journey. I think anyone listening is on a growth journey knows that like you just grow distant from friends. They stop understanding your lifestyle, whether it's like you don't want to go out and drink anymore or when I got divorced, a lot of people didn't get that and that's fine. Um, But I had a friend the other day offhandedly say something about like, well, like you always put your work before your friends. So like she just kind of said it in in passing, like um, just saying like, that's why I was too busy for her or something like that. And I was triggered because I like deep down am scared that that's true. And that's Mm. why I was so triggered, you know? And I try to do so much to make sure that that's not true. And so I I just ended up having to say that. I said, that really, really hurt me that you said that because I really value our friendship. Yeah. But I also am building a business. So, like, let me know how I can make you feel more supported in a space that still has me able to chase after my dreams. Yeah. You know, and, like, having that conversation. Mm. And also, it is, like, really being honest with yourself as well. It's like, you're feeling that triggered you and that made you feel upset really because you want to have that friendship you want to have your business but you want to have the friendship too right yeah. so it's, then you have to be honest with the other person and say and it makes you a bit vulnerable right so you have oh, to so say vulnerable. and it has to you have to say actually I really do value this friendship rather than just being like fuck you I'm getting out of here do you know right. what I mean because then, yeah, then like, you don't how dare you think that about yeah. me because that would be my old reaction like, I'd be defensive I'd be like f you for thinking this of me like yeah. I thought we were friends how could you ever say that and yeah. I'm like oh she's feeling something she's hurt she's feeling like I'm not doing enough to support her yeah. I'm feeling stressed about how much I have to do in all areas of my life like how can we communicate this better how can I say like what do you need from me in a way that still has me able to like not be there for you 24 7 because that's not also okay you know and things yeah. like that yeah and I think as well you just saying I value a friendship will probably make her feel a lot better about right. it right right because she might have like been doubting that she yeah. has some kind of insecurity and yeah so I think where you we react can make other people it, it just changes the whole situation and it can be for the better and or or we can run away and it, you know, just ends those things. But I think if something's valuable to you, you should definitely, definitely say and and yeah, and it's just it's it's interesting. <laughs> and if you don't know yourself well enough yet to be like, what's happening? What's going on with my emotions here? What's being triggered? Obviously things like yoga, meditation. It's gonna yeah. get you better at being able to dig inside. Yeah. But also like journaling is my number one daily practice. It's Anytime I have a client, I tell them, like, you've got to commit to journaling with me. That's the only way that we'll get through this. Because being able to get everything out on paper, being able to explore a little bit deeper than, like, our thoughts are capable of, just in our head, because they get very jumbled and confusing in our brain. It's really powerful. So, like, you might have you might have an explosion today. Like, for a lot of you listening, you might not have control over your emotions yet because you haven't been taught. So you might have a reaction where, like, your friend says that to you and you blow up back on them and be like, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. Go home that night or the next day whenever you're calm and you can say, like, what what caused that? Like, let mm. me just brain jump, like, all the possibilities. Like, what was going on in my head? How was I feeling? What was going on? What situation does this remind me of? And then you can really get to the root of it. Mm. And it might not be journal session number one, but you're going to get better and better about being able mm. to figure out those things. Yeah. And I think it kind of makes us make more conscientious decisions yeah. and act 
actions, I guess, and which will in the long run lead us to feeling better because if we're not thinking or um, or running, then we are kind of remaining present, analysing and making conscientious decisions through our actions. And I think that, and once we know we've chosen, that's what we want to do, or that's how we really act, that's that's what feels right for us, really. And I think that will create more happiness. Yeah, yeah. it it makes you feel more confident, makes you feel like you're in control of your life. You know, being able to say, oh, I chose this path, I chose this reaction, I chose these steps. Instead yeah. of just being like, my emotions were on the show. Like, emotions aren't wrong. Feelings aren't wrong. All yeah. of them are valid. Yeah. When they're running the show, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all kind of all comes around in a big circle. <laughs> yeah, that's like, everyone's like, how, do your, how does your business model make sense? You're doing yoga, you're doing meditation, you're doing coaching, you're doing these events. And I'm like, well, yeah, because they're all the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, this is going to help you get better at this, which is going to help you get better at this. And it's like at this beautiful circle And, you know, for people listening at home, the reason coaches and therapists and things like that are so powerful is because doing this alone sucks. Mm. (laughs) Like, I did a lot of this by myself. And then when I stepped into a space where I was being supported in coaching environments, I was able to move through things much easier with somebody else around to be like, it's okay. Mm. You're okay. Nothing's wrong with you. Um, Yeah. And sometimes you just need to get it out talk it out yeah it's like journaling like you're saying like writing it down is like getting it out mm-hmm. so like talking is like getting it out you know rather than just being in your head but also um yeah can you tell us a bit about other things you do like the workshops and yeah stuff like um well, i mean the favorite event that i i run pretty regularly are my moon circles so i do full moon and new moon events and it's about women coming together and first thing I do is get them out of their heads because with the new moon we're trying to think about what we want to bring into our life it's a really great energy for um manifesting creating all of that jazz and the full moon is about what we want to let go of what's not serving us anymore it's time to release it and usually when we come into these events if we're in our heads we either know exactly what we want in our life but we have like 25 things or 25 things we want to let go of we've got a lot happening Or we come in and we're like, I have no idea. I have no idea what I want to bring into my life. I have no idea, whatever. And we're trying to overthink our thoughts, Mm -hmm. what we want to bring. We're we're thinking about too much. So first thing I do is I'm like, let's get out of our heads, get into our bodies. That's what we do with yoga. I do a lot of dance. I teach a lot of dance yoga as well. And and so at my events, I get everyone up and dancing. It's kind of like a free flow. It's just like releasing. Sometimes we'll do partner work where like the partner is actually leading them and forcing them to really let go because if somebody else is literally holding Mm. you through the dance you have no Mm. choice but to follow yeah so it really helps you to shut the brain down and just like drop in then we'll do um deep meditation which again meditation is really beautiful because it takes you out of your conscious thinking mind and more into the subconscious mind which is when we're a lot more malleable so we can really play with different concepts we can take in different beliefs yeah so we're in this deep meditation which i love leading people into meditations just because again it helps shut down the overthinking brain and we get to kind of explore different worlds sometimes I'll take them on a visual path or we just kind of do affirmations things that help feel good but anyway we get to go down this path so we're like out of our heads we're into our bodies we're into our subconscious everything's very relaxed and now we're really open to new possibilities to new ideas and so when we come out of that we reflect we do lots of journaling 
so I give everyone, whether, again, new moon, we're talking about what it is that we want to bring into our lives. Full moon, we're talking about what we want to let go of. And they just get a free right. And then we gather in circle. And I do weekly women's circles because I feel like they're so powerful. Being able to share stories, being able to share experiences, um, there's a lot of power in it just because we learn from each other so much. But also so many of us are keeping our voices stifled and being able to express things out loud to other women in a safe space is, is really huge. It just helps us to like affirm that our voices should be heard. So we get together in a circle and we make like an announcement to the group that this is what I'm committing to, whether it's this is what I'm bringing in this month, this is what I'm letting go of, or in my weekly circles, I give different prompts and different things to explore. Yeah, and everyone just gets to share and be heard and be seen and feel loved and feel accepted. Um, there's no talking over each other. No one's interrupting. There's no advice being given. There's no coaching. It's literally just like we're sharing for the sake of sharing. And in doing so, there's so much more power in whatever you're committing to. So if you're ready to let go of fear and you dance about it, you meditate on it, you say it out loud to the group, and then at the full moon, we burn those things. So we burn that fear. Um, there's just a lot of power in it. There's a lot of power in like mm -hmm. being able to actively do it. And it just feels really freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's really interesting what you said. So these are just like the meditation and things like that at the beginning are just ways to like create that space, right? So mm -hmm. you can come back down to your core and yeah. And then really like, and then take action of where, how you want to go for the rest of the month. Yeah. Um, and dig into your intuition because your intuition yeah. is not in the thinking brain it's in the subconscious and so that's the other thing too is all of us are trying to like really really think our way into intuition it does mm. not work that way yeah. you've got to shut down the thinking and see what comes up yeah when we're able yeah. to even just going on a walk in nature yeah. and like being able to kind of quiet your mind that way and mm. see what pops up yeah that's a way of digging in and i want to talk to you about your dancing because yes. i love dancing i used to do um ballet in latin america mm -hmm. um but i haven't for ages like for years um they've done any classes or anything like that but i do think it's an amazing way to release like mm -hmm. a, a such a good release and when you're dancing you're you are in the moment it keeps you in the moment and yeah. And you just release tension in your body and yeah, and I think it's such a good way to I mean it's it's so powerful. I mean the reason why tribal women used to, you know, dance and still continue to dance around the circle is because there's so much trauma and energy released through being able to do that. And one of the types of yoga that I teach is actually called Buddha Yoga, B U T I which is a Sanskrit word for something that was hidden is now uncovered. And it's actually about being able to shake our way to release trauma, to release energy on the body. We're shaking our hips, we're rolling our shoulders, we're like doing things that look really sexy, but actually the energy is about releasing. And we do that through movement in the body, mm -hmm. through shaking, through mm -hmm. rolling around and doing different things. Yeah. And, and yoga itself is beautiful, it's an amazing practice, I love it. But it's also very masculine and it's very linear and stiff. Mm. And so, there can still be, once you get really good at yoga, a lot of room for thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when I first started doing yoga, it would completely strap my brain because I had to really think about, like, where my foot is, where my body is, like, mm. what, where I'm breathing. Like, but when you get really good at it, you don't have to think that much anymore, mm -hmm. and it opens your brain back up. Yeah. Because it's kind of stiff. Yeah. Um, so I found that when I'm 
holding a pose, but I'm rolling through my hips or I'm rolling yeah. through my shoulders, I'm still in my body and I'm not back up in my brain. Yeah. So that's why yeah. I really love it. I sometimes, like, actually this is the first time I've ever told anyone this, but I sometimes think that I have, like, an inner Jamaican woman in me. <laughs> Yes, me too. I feel like I'm African somewhere. I'm very, very white, but I feel like there's some kind of African blood in me somewhere. Because yeah. I just, oh, when I dance, I just think, uh, and they'll say that attitude. They have just yeah. such a great attitude. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I want to arch out my back and roll through my hips and get really low to the ground and yeah. pound the earth. And yeah, yeah. I also get very animal-like when I'm dancing. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. That sounds amazing. Oh, well, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. It's been really good to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if any of you guys want to connect and chat, you can find me anywhere online. Search for The Remote Yogi, and I'm happy to connect in the DMs or wherever you're at. Okay, I'll put a link up. Thank you. Awesome, thank you. Bye. <laughs>